This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. The Big Interview with Offscript. Chimp Empire was released globally on Netflix last month. It is a stunning four-episode film. In fact, the most popular Google search for the show, which was actually released on, I think, April the 19th, is, is Chimp Empire real or CGI? Barstool Sports called it Game of Thrones in the Jungle, <laughs> the most mind-bottling I always thought you said boggling, not bottling, but yeah, Barstool sports, sports have gone for bottling. Documentary you'll ever see. Um, James, whose previous film, My Octopus Teacher, won a host of international awards, including Best Documentary Feature at the 2021 Academy Awards. You can expect similar accolades and critical acclaim for Chimp Empire. Now, we're going to focus on how Chimp Empire was made because it was very complex and quite an interesting backstory to how James and his team actually made and filmed this incredibly intricate show which has a real strong narrative arc to it. It's not just your your standard wildlife documentary which depicts the behaviours of certain animals. There's storylines with characters. It's it's a story from start to finish. That's and, genius. Um, Mahershala Ali is the uh, narrator for it. Now, as you can hear from this excerpt, it was a unique opportunity for a team of wildlife film Filmmakers to embrace. This is an excerpt of the trailer and a little bit from James about, you know, what kind of potential was offered by the Ngogo chimps. Over the course of our filming period, the story that unfolded at Ngogo was, yeah, beyond anything we could have ever expected or hoped for. And, you know, some of it is just amazing and, and you're going to marvel at it. There are some tragic elements to it as well, but this is chimpanzee life, and this is a you know it's 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 a true story that unfolded during our filming period, and the level of 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 drama and the richness of the story that we were able to tell is is completely beyond what we anticipated at the start. Chimpanzees our closest living relatives. We can often recognize the best and worst of ourselves in them. Chimp society is a hierarchy. Each chimp always looking for opportunities to move up. Everyone is planning, persuading, plotting. When one chimp group meets another, there's no going back. War is coming. Chimpanzee life is a never-ending conflict. But when you live in the jungle, you must fight to survive. And if you want power, you must take it. Out there from the trailer of Chimp Empire. It's riveting stuff. There's four episodes. I zipped through it. I think in two separate viewings, I watched the whole thing. I think each episode is about 45 minutes in length. Okay. So it's it's under four hours of, of TV. Yeah. And it tells the story of the wider story, I guess, of a conflict between these two groups of chimpanzees in the Kimbale National Park, the, the Ngogo group, uh, which was split. They were fractured about uh, oh, some years ago now, five, six years ago. Um, the central group 
control one part of the forest, the Western group control the other, and they were kind of on a collision course. And the show depicts that battle, but then, of course, there are are much uh, more kind of nuanced stories within the groups themselves about certain individuals and the personalities that they have. So it's it's riveting viewing. It really is. It feels like you're watching a genuine documentary. And I started this conversation with James by asking him how did the chance to make Chimp Empire come about? Chimp Empire came out of a relationship that I'd had for years, actually, with the scientists who worked there. Prior to Octopus Teacher, I had made a feature documentary about the Ngogo chimps and the scientists who studied them. And it was largely archive and interview, and it was the story of the 25-year study of these chimps and how they discovered that they were the biggest group ever known and that they were exhibiting behaviours and particularly cooperative behaviours that nobody had ever witnessed in chimps before. So I found that fascinating. And it was at the start of the relationship with the scientists who, who worked there. Anyway, that a few years passed, stayed in touch with the scientists. And then this huge group uh, began to split. And, and they were emailing me and saying, look, the group has actually split now. We now have two Ngogo groups that are, are fully habituated to human presence. And they are rivals in the same territory. So we started talking about doing a film project that documented what was happening now, the unfolding story, the story we couldn't predict, but that we knew was going to be interesting. So they knew something was brewing, but they just took a chance and went, right, we're just going to go into the the rainforest and and capture this behaviour and and get as much content as we can, as much footage as we can and see what transpires. We know that there is this potential dramatic conflict, but, you know, you can't time these things. You can't, there's no calendar for this. It's not going to happen on a certain day. You've just got to follow the animals and see what transpires. And the result of the the, the footage is, or at least the show itself, Chimpempera, it's been described as the animal kingdom's kind of answer to a show like Sopranos or Succession. Brilliant. Did James have this type of vision when he set off to make the film? Uh, chimpanzee life is naturally dramatic. They're individual characters, all with their own stories and own personalities. So we knew there was huge potential here to do something uh, really dramatic and that, and that could have a lot of the same ingredients that, that people enjoy in those sorts of dramas. We, we did know that was possible. If, if there was any situation in the animal kingdom that could, prov- could provide that level of dramatic story and character-driven drama, it would be this situation with the Ngogo chimpanzees. So we, we knew that there was potential for, for crossover into different types of viewers because this wasn't going to be a standard behaviour-driven natural history series. This was going to be a story, and it was going to be uh, have very rich and interesting individual characters driving that story. It's like the sports documentaries now that are searching for that yeah. that kind of casual viewer who's not a fan, you yeah, know, Full absolutely. Swing or Drive to Survive or any of these sports documentaries are trying to capture non traditional non sort of fans of that particular sport. And and I suppose what they're trying to do with Chimp Empire is they're trying to capture 
non-traditional wildlife documentary fans. Yeah. Now, anyone who does watch the, the show will find themselves wondering how on earth the film crew captured certain moments, particularly the chaotic sequences where the chimps are sort of charging about all over the place, often through the tree canopies in very sort of thick, dense rainforest. James explained that he had a team of four camera people right. with two assigned to one group, the central Ingogo group, and two following the Western group. So I wanted to know, how did the team pull this off? We tried to make our equipment as, as lightweight and ergonomic as possible. Now, that's always the ambition with natural history because you're often in remote places on cliffs or, you know, and you're carrying things yourself. You can't just you know, create a set and have lorries around where you can dip in and out of equipment. Everything is done on, fo on foot. Everything has to be carried in in a backpack. So you, your, your equipment has to be limited and it has to be easy to use and it has to be quick. Ha having said that, you have to capture images that are 4K and we wanted it to look and feel cinematic as well. Yeah. So there's a compromise there. You know, there are cameras that exist that are the size of a matchbox, but you couldn't film the sort of quality imagery that we needed for this type of production. So our equipment was relatively light and relatively small. The, the camera team were extremely uh, extremely experienced working in remote environments. They were also very, very fit, very passionate. Uh, some of them had less natural history filming experience, but very high levels of filming humans in extreme situations. So one of our camera women, for instance, had, had done quite a lot of work filming in, in Iraq um, and and filming with with soldiers on active duty so she had the, like a different set of skills she hadn't filmed animals much before but but chimps i always view that there's, there's there's animals and there's people and there's chimpanzees and and a lot of the skills required to film people in un unpredictable situations are useful for filming chimps so in that respect, it is such a unique project yeah. and so interesting. They just, they just took a totally different approach to it. Yeah. And they decided to recruit people whose skill set may not have been traditionally utilised for wildlife yeah. photography, but they could add their own kind of, without having necessarily to understand the uh, behaviours of the chimps, they could add their own sort of artistic take to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that war um, camera woman w must have been got the job straight as soon as she came in for the interview because they are tough people yeah and they you know they're looking for stories in the most hostile of environments they've got to make you know they've got to make really quick on the ground decisions so yeah for me she's I'm not she's sure what I'd be choice. more worried about or more scared of yeah, you're right being in the midst of two warring groups of chimpanzees <laughs> yeah. or serving in the front line both of <laughs> which would be terrifying but uh, James told me that a lot of what we understand about chimps was discovered by the famed primatologist Jane Goodall back yeah. in the 1960s. It was she who discovered that chimps ate meat, that they hunted monkeys, that they had complex hierarchies and that they regularly fought each other over territory. Over the course of our filming period, the story that unfolded at N'Gogo was, yeah, beyond anything we could have ever expected or hoped for. And... You know, some of it is just amazing and, and you're going to marvel at it. There are some tragic elements to it as well. But this is 
chimpanzee life and this is a you know it's 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 a true story that unfolded during our filming period and the level of 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 drama and the richness of the story that we were able to tell is is completely beyond what we anticipated at the start. And James talks about one particular chimp named Gus that particularly intrigued him. But first, how did he go about choosing which animals to follow? We wanted a real cross-section of Ngogo society. We knew that the bigger story was going to be what was going to happen between these two groups. How was this conflict going to be resolved? But we wanted the perspectives uh, through which to view that to be diverse. So we wanted to have an an adolescent chimp who was a bit of an outcast um, and was struggling with their social relationships. And, and, and that was Gus. And as soon as we sort of knew what position Gus was in and what his personality was like with all that that's a very surprising perspective through which to experience this conflict and we also wanted to know what it was going to be like for a mother with a new baby as well as all the more predictable central characters in that conflict like the alpha males and the, and the challengers so we really had a potential cast of about 230 chimps across both groups we looked at all of them in detail and then we targeted a collection of them from day one. Now, that that changed as we went along, because as much as you can try and predict some things that are going to happen, chimpanzees will, will surprise you every day. And so we had to be we had to have a combination of target chimps that we wanted to follow, but then also be willing to adapt and change at any moment when different things happen. I love the way you frame it at the beginning with, you know, again, it's sort of so anthropomorphized, isn't it? Because you've got the alpha male and he's got his big bodyguard <laughs> who kind of follows <laughs> him around the place. It's literally like a gangster film, you know, like that, like that, um, uh, your man in Godfather, Luca Brazzi. It sort of reminded yeah. me of him. He's the big, <laughs> the big silent one. Those, those similarities are not, are not lost on us or the scientists interestingly you know the, the fascinating thing about the the ngogo scientists and many others um you know they're eminent in their field so they they're extremely sort of well respected uh scientists of, of chimpanzee behavior and, and ecology at the same time they have studied and known these chimps for many years so they become very attached to the sort of the personal stories of these chimps and, and the drama that's unfolding. And, and you can all see it and make those comparisons. You know, chimpanzees are not humans and humans are not chimpanzees. But there are similarities in some of those roles that are immediately recognisable, which I think makes it such a compelling story mm. to follow. What about the chimps fascinated you most, James, having spent time with them up close or, or anything that took you about their behaviour? You know, I, I always talk about Gus uh, because I found he, he was at the beginning of our filming period. You know, this is not just me, you have to remember. I have a big editorial team, work very closely with a story consultant and, and writer. And also, of course, all, all the camera people had their own input because they're getting immediate feedback. They're there in the field seeing these things unfold and getting to know the chimps. The, the most closely so we, it was a real collective 
um, a collective process of decision making over who we follow and how we respond. But personally, um, I I always felt like Gus was going to be a very interesting character because everything you read and understand about chimps is that chimps are social creatures. Chimps groom to maintain and social relationships. And everything about being a chimp requires you to be social on a, on a certain level. Um, and there are differences between them, but they're all social in their own way. And then we found Gus, who appeared to be antisocial in some ways, and and appeared to struggle with some of the the very basic things in which you needed to achieve to be a chimpanzee. You know, it's not, you know, in human society, um, you know, we're social creatures as well, but there are different ways of getting along uh, and different levels of social involvement that people can pick that are, that are perfectly acceptable and people can be very happy being less social. Um, but as a chimpanzee, it's, it's, well, it's dangerous actually not to be socializing closely with the rest of the group, but it's also just the very fundamentals of how to be a chimp felt like you were struggling with. So even though we knew that, or we, or we didn't think that his story was going to be that dramatic in the classic sense, uh, I was always very intrigued by him because of his small goals. Gus just needed to sort of overcome some of the sort of psychological obstacles he seemed to have and 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 make friends. And I think it was something that we all relate to as humans. Massively. And I think, you know, as we spoke about when we talked about my octopus teacher, the power to emote, and uh, you know, the, the, it, no one would have ever expected an octopus to be able to kind of evoke those feelings and emotions, mm. or at least a man's relationship with this with this creature. Whereas mm. with Gus, you can definitely, I would imagine, a lot of people who have experienced loneliness would would immediately yeah. relate to him. I think so. And I, and I think the truth is that everybody has, you know, I'm, I'm not belittling people who've, who have experienced extreme loneliness, because, of course, there are people who have had much more serious things to deal with than your than your average person. But I would say everybody has experienced that feeling of not knowing what to do in a social situation and 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 feeling left out uh, at some point in everybody's life someone's felt that and, and it's and it's a and it really gets you mm. and and i think that's why watching gus is a very emotional thing for everybody because no matter how confident or or social you are in your current stage of life um everybody at some point and and many people still n know exactly what that feels like so that that felt like one of the most relatable characteristics in in chimpanzee society actually at the same time you know jackson for all his sort of bravado and constantly charging around and asserting his authority all the time when it felt like he didn't necessarily need to we're all we all recognize those sorts of characteristics as well and the differences between the two groups you know one was much more cooperative the westerners as, as brutal as they are to outsiders internally 
they they cooperate with each other in and look after each other and and they play more and they just have a a more appealing uh from a human perspective it's a more appealing um social structure and and, and culture in the west as the show progresses it focuses on numerous different chimps and they each have a name rog brilliant so they the name flashes up as they appear okay, on yeah. screen yeah. just to remind the viewer of exactly which chimp it is that they're watching. Yeah. And it also allows the viewer to help establish that, a rapport with all these different characters. So in this excerpt of my chat with James, we get into this in more detail, but I wanted to get his thoughts on the names themselves because just to give you a few examples, Jackson, he's the alpha male. Yeah. Rollins, Carter, Hutchison, <laughs> Miles. So there was like, someone on Twitter that commented that, that N'Gogo had its own lacrosse team. <laughs> and, uh, They're frat boys. Exactly frat that. Brothers. Exactly that. Yeah, who the heck is naming all these chimpanzees after your classic college jock? James had his own thoughts on that. The, the chimps are named by the scientists. Right. And, and they have been named by them. Uh, there have been different themes on the, the naming. They, they began when they first went there 25 years ago. Uh, they were naming them after jazz musicians. The, both the scientists, both the lead scientists at the time, were big jazz fans, and they so they named all the the scientists after, uh, named all the chimps after jazz scientists, jazz musicians. Um, then they kind of ran out of of names that seemed appropriate for the chimps at that time, and then they moved on to Hollywood characters or or people that they knew, or and then certain people would be given the opportunity just to to contribute a name if they'd seen the baby for the first time so they the naming took on some different approaches over the years and you have some well i mean jackson i i totally understand what i mean sounds like a, a guy full yeah. across him it's jackson it's yeah. quite a macho <laughs> name isn't it yeah um but in a way it was quite sort of it felt quite well suited to him oh definitely i remember at one point we were we were considering uh, introducing Christine, uh, who's the the mother of the, the the new baby that we follow throughout the series. She was going to be introduced first, and we did think, oh, you know, Christine. I mean, it's a lovely name for anybody out there called Christine. My my auntie, my great auntie, was called Christine. I've got nothing against the name, but it seemed like quite an odd name for for Jim to arrive <laughs> on the series, and yeah. like. The first chimpanzee character, and this is Christine. It just seems so human, and but yeah. maybe it was my bias because my auntie is called Christine. And I just thought this is just going to feel odd, um, and we wanted people to know that we weren't giving them the names. You mm. know, that wasn't that wasn't us. So, and it was the scientists. So we did in the script. We do mention that quite early on that all the chimps have names because the scientists named them. Um, but I like how the names important. flash up, James, because, again, that builds a rapport with each chimp. You start recognising chimps to the point where I knew which chimp it was by the end, even if the name hadn't flashed up, you know, because each of them are well, so individualistic. Well, again, and that was a really important from day one. Um, you know, in theory, you could use a shot of a different chimp and people wouldn't necessarily notice you know, and nobody would be any different, and you might just use it to help in the edit, and and you know, who cares in in some ways. But we knew from the beginning that we never ever 
wanted to to do that. That, that every single shot that you see of any given chimp at any time it's that chimp in that situation it it was so important for us for this to be totally authentic that we we knew that we were going to be telling we were going to try and tell the most engaging story possible then we knew as it unfolded that this is almost almost unbelievable that this is happening therefore it became even more important for us to be so disciplined when we were editing the footage together that it that it was really accurate representations of those characters in those moments um but that also uh is an advantage if you're if you're constantly using shots of of those of of those specific characters um you you start to get used to what they look like and you start to relate to them and you know when when you first walk out into the forest and and as a viewer when you first turn it on they they're just all going to look like chimps and you know you're going to think how how can i tell the difference between all these guys but that that goes once you're exposed to them for a while actually you quickly start seeing the differences in their faces you know by the time we'd finished filming any one of the film crew could see a chimp from behind 30 meters away walking through the trees and know exactly who it was because even just of how they walked and so you just become they become so recognizable and so individual but but that you could only allow the viewer to experience that by exposing them to to a lot of very detailed shots of those individuals so you know we do a lot of extreme close ups we let shots um linger for quite a long time because the initial experience as a viewer is just marveling at what a chimp is and going yeah. oh my god they got they've got fingerprints and god, their, their nails are similar to what you know you you've got to get used to this this animal and, and what it looks like and feels like and then there's a process of starting to identify with that individual animal and and starting to see how they look and feel and what they do that's different to the others now the unique thing about ngogo is the sheer size of the group. It's the largest that's ever been studied. So all the intergroup relationships are that much more complex. So with all that said, how on earth did the Chimp Empire team know which of the 400-odd animals to follow? Before our first day filming, we'd done deep research into every single chimpanzee at Ngogo. And the amount of information they have about each chimp- chimpanzee is is incredible. So they know when they were born. They know who their parents are. They know who they've had relationships with. They know the stages of their life they've been through. They know if they've had any trauma. They 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 know characteristics about their personalities. So we we could understand the backstory of every single chimp at Ngogo. And by understanding the backstory, we and and knowing the stage of life they were at, we could go some way to predicting what may happen to them over our filming period. So we wanted a real cross section of Ngogo society. We knew the the bigger story was going to be what was going to happen between these two groups. How was this conflict going to be resolved? But we wanted the perspectives. Uh, through which to view that to be diverse 
So we wanted to have an an adolescent chimp who was a bit of an outcast um, and was struggling with their social relationships. And, and, and that was Gus. And as soon as we sort of knew what position Gus was in and what his personality was like, with all that, that's a very surprising perspective through which to experience this conflict. And we also wanted to know what it was going to be like for a mother with a new baby, as well as all the more predictable central characters in that conflict, like the alpha males and the, and the challengers. So we really had a potential cast of about 230 chimps across both groups. We looked at all of them in detail, and then we targeted a collection of them from day one. Now, that that changed as we went along, because as much as you can try and predict some things that are going to happen, chimpanzees will, will surprise you every day. And so we had to be, we had to have a combination of target chimps that we wanted to follow, but then also be willing to adapt and change at any moment when different things happen. I'd love to have seen their production office, Rob. Oh, well, I think just they the, had an these, office. Well, no, no, before <laughs> the went, office was the jungle. Before they got to the jungle, but they must have had just uh, right. pictures yeah. around the room like of the all FBI. these chimps. Like, exactly like the FBI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, tell me about Bobby, right? Yeah. Well, Bobby's this Jackson and that. Jackson would have been at the top. Yeah, yeah and loads know. of red string, yeah. you know. Yeah, oh, the red string, it. and then you have the sort of Polaroid <laughs> photos yes. of all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got Miles as this kind of underboss, and then you've got the sort of four capos underneath, and the reason why we're talking about this because we are talking all things mafia in behind the scenes Indeed. after six o'clock so this is uh, you know we, we've done this deliberately Rog we've Great linked tease. this <laughs> Great uh, but yeah, that, yeah I could absolutely picture that now um and he actually told, told me that you can really recognise, once you've been there a while, you start to recognise each individual chim- chimpanzee, even from, you know, just catching a glimpse of them through the trees. You can oh, wow. instantly recognise, once you've, you've gotten used to them, which individual that is. But um, I wanted to find out more about the storytelling structure of Chimp Empire. So in traditional nature documentaries, you know, the Blue Planets, Frozen Planet, all these sort of African Plains documentaries that, that we watch, you've got ecosystems that are the focus, and then you've got the myriad animals that exist within those ecosystems so frozen planet might have a a piece on polar bears and then it might go down to antarctic and look at penguins and you know all that sort of stuff yeah but my octopus teacher which was james's previous film um his oscar-winning film elevated that sort of level of storytelling and chimp empire sort of takes it a step further its episodes feature a clear narrative arc and each one ends like a TV show <laughs> on a cliffhanger. Brilliant. Is this a one-off or indicative of a change in direction in nature films? I wanted to know from James. And, and how did Chimp Empire, how did the team organise all this material to create this powerful story? Now, James actually worked on Frozen Planet 2. Right. And he says he's got a ton of admiration for the BBC Landmark series. And, you know, they do a fantastic job and they're innovating them themselves and creating new content. But yeah. he just wanted to offer an alternative, a deeper look at a particular group of animals to really take the viewer into the world of the chimps. So while it's set in the wild, the filming techniques are not dissimilar to a conventional natural history film. The storytelling is more akin to a documentary. Mm. That being said, James and his team had made a promise to themselves to tell an authentic story. We, we needed to maintain complete authenticity. This had to reflect exactly what happened at Ngogo. We made that commitment very early on. We didn't want to be presenting 
events inaccurately this was this was had to be the the most important part of our dna is that like we this is a true observational documentary we're going to tell the story that happens but where we could be creative with it um and and where we could enhance the the its dramatic feel was was how the how the series was was structured and the emphasis that we gave to particular characters at particular times um and like i i was working very closely with matt houghton the the writer on the series and and he's actually he comes from a background of 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 screenwriting so so he does unscripted projects as as well so in terms of dramatic structure and and characterization and character development uh we brought in a lot of those sort of techniques into the process of shaping the documentary now that's you know it's it's all the real stuff that happened but but knowing when those moments were going to be most powerful and most relevant and and how to intercut the different stories when to bring in the western group yeah. and 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 how to conclude the episodes so that they they you know in, increased a sense of of people really wanting to know what was going to happen next so that's all the sort of storytelling that that we spent a lot of time thinking about from the moment we we f- were first capturing footage but the difference with is you know with a scripted project you can just move stuff around and mm. rewrite things you can change a character you can't do any of that you can't do it because you know we're dealing with a real situation the chimpanzees are in complete control of what they do and all we can do is record it and then represent it accurately but but dramatically and the result is unbelievable. Ron's enjoying it. He's been in touch. Says, I'm watching it. It's great. No clue how they filmed it, though. Incognito. They had rail tracks or how come they went unnoticed? Um, well, the answer to that question is they didn't go unnoticed. The chimps are so habituated to people. Scientists have been in Ngogo studying those chimps since the days of, of James Goodall. and, and uh, Jet, sorry, Jane. Jet, Jane, Jane. James, Jane Goodall, the primatologist. Um, you know, since she kind of started documenting chimpanzee behaviour, there have been groups of scientists that have been following those Ngogo chimps for about 30 years. So the groups have become used to the sight of humans. They've been very careful not to introduce things like food, not to, not to mm. have the chimps associate humans with food and the chimps kind of just tolerate human presence without and are rather indifferent to it in all honesty so he was telling me that even though you know there were there were some moments which were violent and dramatic and chaotic they never felt you know in danger or or at least that they might be turned upon by you know the group of chimpanzees particularly That's in those sort of when, when they were in kind of battle mode but mm. maybe you'll get a bit more on from from this next clip because I wanted to kind of get a sense of what it was like to be around that many chimpanzees for, for such a long period of time and, and how intimidating they were, what it was like to sort of be around them, in and around them while filming them. They're extremely physically strong. Um, 
you know, their chimpanzees are smaller than humans, particularly because humans are walk around upright. So actually, the chimps only come to sort of waist height in the forest because they're they're crouched on all fours most of the time. Occasionally, they're bipedal and they suddenly feel very big when they stand on two legs. But most of the time, they're on all fours. But the strength required to be a chimp, you know, to to clamber up and swing through trees, the their upper body strength is enormous, yeah. and and they're they're capable of 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 acts of of extreme violence as well. So, you know, they 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 can if you don't know them, they can feel intimidating. the The experience at Ngogo, though, amazingly, is that you just you're you're in amongst it and they can be being threatening to each other or to rival groups or even fighting but but you're never you never feel in any danger at all and it's because they're just used to human observers passively being around them so the chimps have never associated humans with food there you know, they've never been fed or provisioned by scientists or anyone else. So there's no association with that. The scientists spent many years gradually getting closer to them and gradually spending more and more time with them. The, they've overcome their fear of humans, but they still have quite a healthy respect for them, because, partly because we stand on two legs. So I think from a human, from a chimp perspective, we're like these giants who walk through the forest who don't want to harm them. They know that, but they don't feel too, mm. you know, there's still a tiny bit of caution around humans. And, and that is the perfect balance. You know, we don't go too close to them. We stay out of their way and, and they don't approach us or try and intimidate us in any way. So hopefully that answers another question we've had in from Nigel about how they get some of the close-ups and how they don't get hurt while mm. filming it. Nigel goes on to add that it's a stunning piece of filming. One final clip for you from James. I wanted to kind of get a feel for whether this idea, this formula can translate to, you know, a, a, a film about tigers or elephants or, elephants so, yeah. or whatever. <clears throat> could Chimp Empire work as well with other animal species in the future? Could it, in effect, could it be franchised? That is hard because... Chimpanzees generally, you know, there's so much character there. There's so much uh, personality. There's there's so much intrigue and so much potential drama in chimpanzee society. They're, they're, they're always doing things and things are always happening and, and there's always change and there's so much to relate to. So, you know, it would be hard to transfer uh, a similar sort of approach to to other species it 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 has been done in in other forms you know and 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 to varying degrees of of success and um, we we do think about it a little bit and 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 we may well find ourselves at some point doing something not similar. The thing is, that I don't think we would want to do the same thing sure. again. So it wasn't our automatic thing. Oh, there's a there's a sister. There's a format here. Can we transfer it to something else? We didn't. We weren't really thinking like that. This was a very sort of bespoken, individual passion project for us. But but you're right. There is the possibility. Uh, but I think it will be hard to tell a story as 
compelling and as rich as as we have done with the Ingogo chimps. James Reed, Academy Award winning co-director of My Octopus Teacher. He's part of the team behind the rise of the warrior apes, underdog films and Keo films. And that was Chimp Empire. It explores the fascinating world of the largest chimpanzee society ever discovered. It's narrated by the Academy Award winner Mahershala Ali as well. And it's available to watch on Netflix. I cannot recommend it highly enough. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 